Good evening, everyone. So, um, since we moved to um, Avalon Beach a number of weeks ago, um, I found myself enjoying going up to a, a lookout um, and sitting on a bench overlooking the sea. So all that's in, it's very quiet and very, very, um, very conducive to solitude. So you just sit on a bench and you look directly over the sea with a very steep cliff face just below you and see the waves crashing on to the headland without seeing any houses or anything in front of you. And um, I'm really drawn to, to going there. Um, you could say maybe I'm going up there to meditate, but I'm not even sure whether I would call it that. But I go up there and I sit still and I experience the ocean and the wind and the crashing of the waves and the openness of the sky for an extended period of time. And uh, it led to me reflecting afterwards um, this conundrum about what is right effort in meditation? How much effort should we be putting into meditation? Are we putting in too much or too little? And there is a very uh, common response to that in Buddhism, which I've stated before, which apparently is um, a quote from the Buddha, that the, the Buddha, when asked what is right effort, said, well, it's like tuning a, a violin or a guitar, you know, or a lute, and it can be tightened up too much, so too much effort, or it can be too loose, you know, and what is right effort is just sort of tuning it correctly. And I reflected on that explanation and what I became clear about is that it's an explanation which responds to the practice level, like the relative step-by-step -step practice level of how to practice, but it doesn't really address the deeper issue and it's a bit misleading. Kind of just, it just kind of responds to the question in relative terms like not too hard, not too little, you know, somewhere in the middle kind of thing. And um, uh, it, it goes together with asking questions like, what is the truth, right? I mean, that is a question that all philosophers have always asked or spiritual people have asked or Buddha or whatever, like, what is, what is the truth? Like, what is the true nature of things? And in Zen, you know, one of the, one of the words that's used to represent the true nature of things is the Tao, which translates as the way. And that brings me to the um, koan from which our school takes it, its name, Ordinary Minds in School. And the koan is case 19 in the Mumon Khan. Nonsense, ordinary mind is the Tao. In other words, ordinary mind is the truth um, of things. So let me remind you of the case again. Um, Joshu who apparently at this time is a very, a very young monk, like about 18 years old. And like all people who are beginners, you know, to Zen practice, 
It's like they've got to this point that's got them to Zen practice of like, um, you know, being building up knowledge or building up financial resources or building up status or whatever it is. And then you go, that's not enough. Like, that, that's not what I really think the point of my life is, is just keep building some sense of permanence, you know, whether it's knowledge or material things, whatever it might be. And then you're left kind of lost. Like, if you're not doing that, if you're not sort of building towards worldly success and security in some way, and then you're practising the Dharma, well, then how do you do it? Like, what do you do? How do you do it? That's kind of like the spirit in which um, Joshua is asking this question, like, how do I achieve this thing called enlightenment? Now, fortunately for Joshua, his teacher didn't say, well, the mind is like a lute and it can be too tense or not too tense, da-da-da. So he asked Nansen, what is the Tao? And Nansen says, ordinary mind is the Tao. And then Joshua asked, should I direct myself towards it? Seems like a reasonable question. And then Nansen says, if you try to direct yourself towards it, you betray your own practice. Uh-huh. Joshua then asks again, how can I know the Tao if I don't direct myself? Like, what if I do nothing then? Hmm? Nansen said, the Tao is not subject to knowing or not knowing. Knowing is delusion, not knowing is blankness. If you truly reach the genuine Tao, you will find it as vast and boundless as outer space. How can this be discussed at the level of affirmation and negation? With these words, Joshu had sudden realisation. And I must mention the poem because it's such a a lovely poem that goes with with this case as well. Spring comes with flowers, autumn with the moon, summer with breeze, winter with snow, when idle concerns don't hang in your mind. That is your best season. What is your best season? What is my best season? Mm -hmm. Um, Robert Aiken also said that he went to um, one of his teachers, Soen Roshi, with the same question, like, what's right effort in practice? And um, and Soen Roshi said to him, that's a difficult question. See, again, he didn't answer in this relative to, you know, not too much, not too little. That's a difficult question. Because if you direct yourself towards it, you've separated yourself from it. Mm-hmm. That's the point of Nansen saying, if you direct yourself towards it, you betray your practice because you've assumed that something's separate from you that you haven't got, and if you keep working hard enough at it, you will get it. Uh But it's not separate from you in the first place. It's kind of like all of truth-seeking is the truth seeking the truth. Uh It's not like the absence of truth-seeking the truth. However, um, when Nansen refers to ordinary mind is the way, Obviously, he's not referring to 
my ordinary day of self-centered thoughts and ruminations and, um, you know, hurtful speech, it's not referring to that ordinary mind, but it is referring to the world just doing washing up, you know, um, just dealing with a computer that won't work, uh, like my experience today. And just walking down the street, he's referring to that experience. If you try to go towards it, you don't reach it because it's you. Uh So, as I mentioned in the words during the beginning of this evening around, around practice, that Zazen, there is something intentional about it. Like I intentionally go up to the um, bench and sit and, and listen to the waves and watch the waves. It's like there's an intention to go there that gets me there and I sit still because I want to experience it as vividly as I can. But really I can't even call it meditation. You know, that's, that sort of implies I'm trying to reach a certain state of mind or something deep or whatever. I'm just going up there to enjoy looking at the sea and hearing it and experiencing it, that's all. And and in a sense, there's no effort involved in it. To say that, well, it's not too much effort or not enough, in a sense, there's no effort. Um, is there really any effort in just turning up to be present, just to turn up to be um, open and receptive to what this moment brings to you right now. Mm -hmm. In a sense, there's no effort. And it's important to really recognise this in your practice, otherwise you can get into a kind of a, a frustrating loop that you're kind of chasing something that you can never find. Right? And it's a loop you just get sort of caught around it. And a lot of people give up practice at that point. Mm-hmm. Like I just keep chasing and I can't find anything. But there's, there's nothing to find other than what's right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. So what practice is really, it's not... The words enlightenment, you know, and gaining enlightenment don't really... Don't, those kind of words really don't fit because it's not, it's not the achieving of anything. If anything, it's just the dropping away of something. It's the dropping away of, of the self-centeredness that comes when we open ourselves to just what is, you know. It's not an explanation. So, so much of our Western culture and our scientific thinking, you know, that we're all sort of acculturated to is about talking about explanations of things. Like the, the, the truth of things becomes an explanation of things. But it's not an explanation of things from a Zen perspective, from a Dharma's perspective. The truth is the experience of things, not the explanation of things. Um, that's why Buddhist scholars go off the rails all the time, talking about emptiness and impermanence and codependent arising, blah, 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 blah. Do you know, they're all explanations. They're not experience. So remember that when you when you sit down in, in formal meditation or whether you just, like me, go to a, 
a lovely quiet spot and, and experience the scenery. It's the same it's the same intention that you bring to it. You just go there to turn up. Just just go to just sit in your meditation to turn up and experience what is. Then it's meditation. Nothing nothing more, nothing less. And then this separation between the searcher and the truth just breaks down. You see into that much more clearly. <laughs>